Good morning and Merry, I'm sorry, it's going to be Advent. Hold on, hold on. It's not yet Christmas. Let's not jump ahead, although we have a very full house. We are still in the season of Advent, the weeks of preparation leading up to the celebration of Jesus' first coming and in anticipation for Christ's coming again. So Merry Advent. This morning is like when you watch those 90s rom-coms. We're stuck in the middle of that slow-mo re reunion at the airport, like a cheesy Hallmark movie scene. The characters are running towards each other and we know what's happening. The music is building, but we're not yet there yet. It's like we cut away from the scene right before they kiss. So we're just about wrapping up that four-week journey through Advent. And last week we heard about the Annunciation, the message from the angel to Mary. Do not be afraid. You will conceive and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. And we also heard a part of the origin story of John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus, son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Jesus is coming, but not yet. And so this morning we have this final slow-mo reunion between these relatives, maybe cousins, Mary and Elizabeth. We're hitting the pause button right before the hubbub, right before the big celebration of Jesus' birth later tonight and tomorrow morning. So if you came for Christmas, we're not yet there, but this is basically Christmas before Christmas. In our scripture reading from the Gospel of Luke, we have good news before the Gospel. And so as we go to join with Mary and Elizabeth in their reunion, I hope that you might catch on to their song. If you're spiritually searching, maybe Mary's song can point you in the right direction. And if this is a more familiar song to you, perhaps, maybe you'll catch this as an earworm for this Christmas season. A tune, a melody, a harmony that rings through. You might even learn to sing the same song. So this morning, in our final preparation before Jesus' birth, we are following straight on from that angel's announcement to Mary. The angel Gabriel had come with this impossible message to Mary that she, a young virgin, would bear a child. And to prove that nothing is impossible with God, the angel tells her that Elizabeth is also pregnant and also expecting her own son. And Tyler summed up Mary's response let it be with me according to your word. And just as the angel leaves, Mary runs off to her cousin. And this sets the stage for us this morning. This is where we pick up. Mary and Elizabeth, they greet each other and they have this amazing encounter. Two women unexpectedly pregnant. On one hand, you have Elizabeth getting on in years, barren. And on the other side, you have Mary a virgin bearing a child conceived by the Holy Spirit. And like some ancient spidey sense, the baby in Elizabeth's womb and the future John the Baptist leaps. And then not spidey sense, because she's filled with the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth recognizes Mary as blessed among women. Blessed is the fruit of Mary's womb, the one to be born named Jesus. There's so much more that we can talk about Elizabeth, about her husband, Zechariah, about their son, John the Baptist. They are an amazing family all by themselves. But this morning, we're going to focus on Mary, 
on the song that Mary sings. Many of us are quite familiar with Christmas songs. By now, we're 24 days into all these songs on repeat since pretty much the beginning of the month. Or maybe if you're not sick and tired of them, maybe you're like my friend Brian. You're the opposite. You set your alarm for CHFI 98.1 and you put a bet on that number one song on their playlist. Was it Michael Buble or was it Mariah? I don't know if you remember. I remember. I was there. But the Bible also has Christmas songs too. And there are three of them around the Christmas story that we have. And they're so famous that they're known by their first word in Latin. Today we have Mary, the Magnificat. My soul magnifies the Lord. Zechariah has the Benedictus. Zechariah, that's John the Baptist's father. And then we have the Nunc Dimittis, which we'll hear more about next Sunday morning from Simeon. And these are songs that are, have been on repeat in monasteries for centuries, in churches and cathedrals for hundreds of years already. So this is not anything new. But we're going to focus on Mary's song because it is the first Christmas song. This is real throwback Christmas. In Magnificat, we have the gospel before the gospel, a jump for joy Christmas song even before Jesus is born. So let's jump into that song, and I hope you'll hear the melody and the harmony that might ring into your own life and into our world. Like most songs, the Magnificat tells a story. It's got a beginning and an end. It's this arc that comes through, and it's a relatively simple song. There aren't any verses, choruses, weird repeats to catch you off guard. And that first line tells the grand arc. My soul magnifies the Lord. Basically, my soul sings to God. Mary starts personal. She looks into her own heart, into her own life, and then she shifts and then changes her perspective to look into the world. And the two parts of her song are marked by the word up. When I read it, this is what I saw. Because that word up, it's not in the song itself, but let's explore together into the song where we might find this up in Mary's song. So we have Mary uplifted. The first two verses are super personal to Mary. My soul magnifies the Lord, my, my spirit rejoices. And Mary sings about personally being lifted up by God. God has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant, the lowliness of his servant. The mighty one has done great things for me. Mary isn't humble bragging. She is that lowly servant. Because to start, she was a humble peasant from a backwater town. And in ancient Israel, women were often the underclass. And an unmarried one? without a man to speak for her and protect her, there was no lower that she could go. But Mary sings that God has looked with favor on her. And usually we think of favors as given from people who can repay that favor. You give favor to someone of a higher class, someone who can give you a good ROI on your favor. You do a small favor, and hopefully they'll repay you with a bigger favor. You buy someone Starbucks, and... Maybe they'll lend you their cottage. <laughs> Mary hasn't done any heroic deeds to deserve this. And there is no way to return this favor to God. And this is why she sings. God surprised her in her low position. So she is singing the opposite of Alanis Morissette's ironic. 
There's no rain on her wedding day. There's no black fly Chardonnay. But instead, we have a servant given favor, a no-frills peasant called blessed, a no-name, a no-name teenager remembered for generations. Mary doesn't confine herself to God personally uplifting her because now she spends the rest of her song on the world around her. Perhaps you've come to church this season and you're looking to have your own spirits lifted. Your personal circumstances are lower than low. And the Magnificat sings of Mary's personal connection to God, how God personally looked deep into her humble estate. So there is something for you. And for others of us, you might have come to church to escape the horror of the world outside. You're coming to experience beauty and splendor. We have that here. Because the world outside is pretty horrific in many of the visible places that we know in the news, but also in places that are off the news cycle. So the rest of the Magnificat, Mary sings about an upside-down reordering of the world. God has scattered the proud. God has brought down the powerful from their thrones. God has lifted, filled the, the hungry with good things. In Mary's ancient world and in our modern world, we learned it on the playground, in our workplaces, in the news, to expect a certain world order. Strong men up top, might makes right. Dictators naming their children to promote the family name and the proud boasting and one-upping each other in their pompous little huddles. What about passive income? Those with more accumulate even more. But Mary, Mary sings that God has turned this upside down, not just toppled it into chaos like a child bored with Jenga, but rearranged it from top to bottom. And these are words that spark revolution. You can tell I actually have this sticker like this on my laptop. But there are these two ups that we have here, Mary uplifted and the world upside down. These two ups, they sound terrible to some. And to others, it sounds amazingly terrific. What a world to imagine. But Mary's ancient world and our modern world, they still look the same. There hasn't been any ironic revolution. The world is in the same order as it was before. The proud are scattered, sure, but others have now just replaced them. Revolutions topple strong men only to put another one back on top. It's just a revolving door. The rich are still rich. The hungry remain hungry. So how could Mary sing this song? How could she be so naive? Was it her youthful ignorance? Maybe she's too young. She hasn't been jaded by the churn of the world. But when we take a closer look at her song, we get a clue to how she might, be, might have been able to sing this song. Mary sung everything in the past tense. God has looked with favor. God has done great things. God has scattered the proud. God has brought down the powerful. God has filled the hungry. She sung everything in the past tense, but only one of them had happened. The only one that had happened is that first one where the angel Gabriel announced that God had looked with favor on her. Everything else, it was a future vision 
that had not yet happened. She should have sung with future tense. God will do great things. God will scatter those proud high priests. God will bring down the powerful Romans. God will fill our hungry stomachs. Or she could have sung in that imperative tense, cast down the mighty God, send the rich away, fill the hungry, lift the lowly. But Mary's song isn't messed up teenage grammar, A plus for revolutionary content, but C minus for verb conjugation. This isn't simply an odd mistranslation from Mary's native Aramaic to our modern day English. Mary looked back at history and she knew that this God, this God that she sang to, this was a powerful God, a faithful God. And this was a powerful God and a faithful God even if it didn't look that way right then and there. There is no evidence from the Gospels that Mary had ever experienced anything prior to that angel. From her Jewish faith and from the history of her nation, this is how she knew that whatever good work God had begun, it was already as good as done. So the Magnificat is simultaneously history and prophecy. And she knew her history well, A+. She knew the history of her family, of God who showed up back then and again, of old stories of deliverance of a God who saved her ancestors. Singing, singing helped her to experience that past history in the present day. But her song was also a future vision of things not yet done. And so singing pulled that vision into the present reality. As many of our choir will know and our music teams will know that songs are never 100% original. And Mary's song wasn't original either. She echoed many other women in the Old Testament and their songs echo from generation to generation. We have remixes. Even today, we have a borrowed bass line, a rhyme rehashed. Our memories are short, so songs help remind us. We have those favorite Christmas songs, but each of you might have a wedding song, an anniversary song, songs that pull at our heartstrings. And songs have that ability to transport us to another time, to bring the past into clear focus. Songs that connect us to our heart emotions and songs that carry our most fantastic dreams. So as we close, I invite you to join Mary and to sing her song. And this might not necessarily be easy for you, but maybe you've already seen God at work in your life. You already know God's favor. And you can think back to that time when God has done great things for you. Amazing, thanks be to God. So I invite you to sing with Mary and sing for others to hear you as well. For, that, for this God who loved and worked in the past, and continues to love and work in lives today and now. Maybe you are desiring God and hoping for God to fulfill these promises in the world of this upside down reordering. You believe in the stories of God working in the past, but you're waiting for the overthrow. You're waiting for a hungry to be filled. You can sing with Mary too. Join her to pull that future vision into the present moment. And maybe you're in this last group. You don't know how God is working in your life 
or how God is working in the world. You feel beaten down low. You feel like a servant to everyone and everything around you. Find and visit a friend like Mary visited Elizabeth. Maybe there's someone in your connect group, maybe a person that is a committed Christian who knows you a bit better and who can see God working in your life, even when you can't see it for yourself. Sing with Mary in hope. Hold on. Christmas is almost here. Jesus is soon to come. Jesus is soon to come again. So I invite you to read this out loud on the screen, the words that are on the screen, or to sing it in your heart. Sing it to look back. Sing it looking forward. Sing it with your doubts. Sing it with all your hopes. My soul sings to my Savior God. God took one good look at me and look what happened. I am the most fortunate person on earth. What God has done for me will never be forgotten. God shows mercy to everyone, from one generation to the next on those who stand in awe. God showed his strength and scattered the arrogant braggarts. God knocked the tyrants off their high horses. God pulled victims out of the mud. The starving poor sat down to a banquet. The callous rich were left out in the cold. It's exactly what God promised, beginning with Abraham and right up to now. Amen.